Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. Now, I'm really excited about today's episode because we have literally never done anything like this. Historically on this podcast, when we wrap up a season with a Q&A episode like we did last week, we take a break for two to three months while we plan out the upcoming season. And generally our seasons start the Tuesday after Labor Day, and then we also have a season that starts the Tuesday after our trade show. Now, what's been awesome is that with the launch of the Firetime magazine, we have been putting out audio articles, and I've personally been really impacted by these. I listen to them, you know, every month, multiple times as I've, you know, edited them and and just kind of parsed through the content, and they're honestly incredible. So what we decided to do is we're keeping the season model of this podcast, but in the in-between time, I'm actually going to play an interview from the Firetime magazine and then give comment on it afterwards. So these are going to be shorter form episodes, but they're going to go week to week to week leading up to the start of our next season. And this all begins today. As I tried to think about what article would be the first one that I really wanted you to hear and that I'd want to give some comment on... It immediately hit me. It was Demand More from Reps Like Me by Art Ratcliffe. And I think it came out in the September issue of the Firetime magazine. And I thought it was absolutely incredible. So what I'm going to do right now is let you listen to the article along with myself. And I'm going to jump back on afterwards and give some comments on it. Demand More from Reps Like Me by Art Ratcliffe. One of my retailer friends recently told me about a frustrating encounter he had with a veteran rep. He set up an appointment with this rep because his store had specific needs that the rep's product line could fill. He felt they had agreed on an agenda before the meeting had even started. But when it did start, the rep kept trying to sell a different product line than what they had previously discussed. The rep was busy selling what he wanted to sell in this market instead of what the dealer needed in his market. The feeling of not being heard led the dealer to distrust the rep and to question whether the rep was even on his side. Have you had a similar encounter before? If so, I hope this article encourages you to take this simple yet powerful step. Make it clear to your reps what you and your clients need and don't let reps sell you what we want or what our companies want if it doesn't align with your needs. Before I go any further, I need to admit something. I've been guilty of this in the past. As a rep myself, I've worked for companies that came out with a new size, style, or concept and a clear directive. Get this new item on the floor. As a result, I've encouraged my dealers to display the newest bling more than once. Dress it up for prom, I'd say. Show something different, I'd insist. Don't get me wrong. There are great reasons manufacturers come out with new products. They fill some hole in their own offering or fill a need in the market. But do they fill a hole on your floor or fill a need in your market? Is the new feature what your customers want? Will the manufacturer's new bling help you sell more units or make you more profitable? 
A couple of years ago, a retailer who cared about me and my success pulled me aside and shared with me what his experience running many stores had taught him. More specifically, he told me that my bling is often not what customers want to see. They want to see subtlety, and they want the display to match the brochure. That's the opposite of what I had thought, but I was so thankful he had taken the time to tell me the truth. By sharing this wisdom with me, he helped me succeed in his stores and other stores as well. So how do you avoid reps coming in and wasting your staff's precious time? Simply put, you need to be clear and direct about what your store needs and expects from your sales reps. If you graciously demand more of us, then you'll get more from us. I guarantee it. Sometimes, what you need has nothing to do with the rep's product line. Maybe you simply need your rep to train a new salesperson who could use insight on the basics of venting. Maybe your veteran staff could use a refresher on product differentiation, both on your floor and versus what your competitors are selling. Maybe your store could use a class on selling higher dollar per transaction products. As reps, we sometimes have a shiny new toy we're tasked with promoting. It's good that we're enthusiastic about new items. That's part of our job, but we better be demonstrating to you how this new unit, body, log, design, or concept fits into your store and helps your clients. If you sense that a rep is just looking for the opportunity to brag to his boss that he won another showroom display, that's a rep who could use some clear direction from you. So, how about you? Have you helped your reps by clearly stating your needs, priorities, and goals? Have you explained what you want their visits to do for your company? Have you set expectations for what a successful sales call looks like in your store? Do your reps support your culture and your vision of leadership? Do they know if you sell primarily into new construction or retro? Are they quick to answer their phones and return calls from your team? Do your reps treat your staff with honesty, transparency, and humanity? Do they approach your store with humility, passion, and humor? Sure, it may be your rep's responsibility to ask you and your staff what you need. But if you invest some thought into how your reps can best support your business, then take the time to clearly communicate your needs, you'll reap more productive rep visits, and you'll have happier, higher-earning employees. Well, I hope you enjoyed that article by Art Ratcliffe. I thought it was absolutely tremendous. I remember where I was. I was literally driving through Breckenridge, Colorado when he sent it to me. And he was just asking some questions on feedback before the final piece aired. And I thought, my goodness, this is incredible. I want to jump into a few things that I took away from it. I listened back to it in real time here just now. And, and I mean, there's a couple things. I think from, a, from the angle of this article, this is a rep saying, hey, I want you to demand more from reps. And that's actually incredible because that, that actually shows, I think it shows humility that I don't have it all figured out. But I think it also shows some confidence, understanding that if you demand more, not every rep will rise to the occasion, but I will. And and I absolutely love the combination of humility and confidence in that. Now, just starting out as this article you know goes through, the first thing is reps changing an agenda. And this is an absolute killer. I know that every single retailer listening has experienced this. And it's super, super frustrating when there's something that you want to get done and a rep continues to steer the conversation in a direction that you didn't want to go. And honestly, I think that the 
the best way to address this? Because, I mean, let's be honest, reps have a job that they they need to sell things and they are going to try to get you to buy something. And that's okay. That's a good business relationship. But I think the best way to get out in front of this is to require an agenda. So when a rep comes in, I don't think it's out of line at all to ask them prior to the meeting to email you an agenda for what the meeting's going to be. And if they can't do that, frankly, they don't belong in your store. They can take 10 minutes and they can email you, you know, three or four bullet points saying, hey, on the call, I'll probably be there for an hour. I'd like to cover A, B, C, and D. That's terrific. It sets the agenda. And as the retailer, you can say, you know what? I really don't want to cover this. Let's do it next time. Or, you know, let's take a little bit more time on section A. We can fly through B and C. That sets an expectation. For a retailer, if you don't set an expectation, well, then a rep can just continue to get away not having one and conversations are are rarely very productive. So I thought that was a great angle just right from the beginning about that story. The, The next thing that Art talked about in the article is this idea of a lot of reps are tasked with, you know, get this item on the floor. And later on in the article, he referenced that it can be a thing sometimes for reps to want to brag to their boss, right? So a new product comes out and what are the reps tasked with? get them on the floor, right? Maybe there's a sales spiff involved for, hey, whoever can get the most of these displays is going to get, you know, whatever the the prize is. And there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But just like Art mentioned in the article, some new products are not necessarily right for dealers. And and there's a story I'm thinking about in particular. It was it was with a dealer on the East Coast in, in the Northeast. And when I went into their showroom, we were taking a look at the fireplaces that they had on display. And there was one model in particular that was right front and center in the showroom. It was a beautiful model. And what really surprised me is that the framing spec of this gas fireplace was huge. Now, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but fireplaces with a big framing spec generally do not work well into retrofit situations where a customer is replacing an existing fireplace. They generally only work in new construction or in full-blown remodel situations. Now, this dealer in particular, I knew did very little business in the new construction space and, and just a small amount in remodel. So I asked him, you know, why do you have this on display here? As the conversation went on, it became clear that they were guided by their rep to put it in because their rep said it was one of their best-selling units as a company. Now, I highly question whether this actually was one of their best-selling units because I've got a decent amount of knowledge about that company and and I don't think that it is. But But even if it was, it was not the right fit for their business, right? So just because it, it you know, is a best-selling product somewhere does not mean that a dealer that doesn't do a lot with new construction and very little with remodel is going to do well investing a huge part of their, their showroom capital and, and space into a, into a fireplace that really only works in those situations. And, and I see this happen all the time. I'm thinking about another retailer that I visited in the Midwest where they, they really had just too many products on display. And the showroom was nice, but it was really, really cluttered. And as we started talking about it, I would ask, you know, why is this here on display? When, when me and Grant go into showrooms, this is a very common thing that we do. We go through every single display. We say, why is this here? Why is this here? Why is this here? And the answer for most of them is, well, the rep said we should make sure that we had all the sizes. You know, the rep said that we should get this latest one on display. Now, depending on the context, those things may not be bad. But just because it's the new model, I don't think means that you should put it on display. It needs to be a good fit 
for your business and for your customers. The beauty of that is that, you know, reps like Art who wrote this, like they can help you with that. A a rep, a a good rep doesn't want to put a product on your floor that's going to sit for five years. They want to put something on your floor that gives you turns because you make money, they make money. And as, as, as you build relational equity with them, they might be able to win the next display. So with all of that, I think that the pressure for reps to get the items on the floor is, is real. And sometimes, like I said, it can be a good fit, but as a retailer, make sure that you understand why does this product exist and what problem of my customers does it solve that is different than what I currently have, right? If we have five products that all solve the exact same problem, they look the same, they cost the same, that's setting a customer up for indecision. We don't want to do that. Okay, moving on in the article. Art made the comment about a certain retailer that he met with telling him that they wanted to see their displays match the brochure. And this is subtle, but I think it's so true that if you're handing out literature, our industry is already confusing enough. But if you're handing out literature, it really can make sense for something in your showroom to match that so that there's common ground established between the abstract, what's in the brochure, and the real, what's in your showroom. Sometimes you get brochures that don't match the reality of your showroom. And and like Art was alluding to in the article, sometimes on, on the showroom floor, people will think, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the the biggest, most you know, expensive decorative front on it so I can upsell and then they can always downgrade if they want to the, the more clean line front. But I would actually encourage you to consider matching either photos that are online on the manufacturer's website or on your website at the least because we want to build a bridge, right? A customer's going online before they're talking to you and we want the pictures that capture them online to be true in the showroom. Now, There are times to go away from that rule, but I I think as a generality, I I think that that's really good advice. As the article closes out, he talks about how reps actually want to give retailers more and and that very often if a retailer will graciously ask the rep to step up to the plate for them, a rep very often will... And I think many times, and I know this because there's so many good reps in the industry that I, that I talk to, I'm thinking about, you know, Art is one of the best reps out there and other reps that we've had on the show before. I'm thinking about like Nate Lammers and, and Scott Ramspot out in the Midwest and, and there's reps all over the country that do just an incredible job. And sometimes good reps can get frustrated because a retailer doesn't give them any direction, right? They they don't make their team available for training. They they tell a rep to come in, but then they try to dictate what the rep can and can't say to their team. And the, the point is that there's many good reps that want to invest in your team and, and I believe are some of the best sales coaches that you're going to find, but they're not being taken advantage of because retailers either A, won't listen or B, won't make time for them to get in front of their teams. So I would just say, if you have an excellent sales rep, I mean, seriously, like I would try to dedicate if the rep will do it, like every four to six weeks, they come in for an hour and they just teach your team how to sell. For me, I think about reps that, 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 you know, were the ones who, who poured into, into my training. I've talked about this multiple times in the show, like Kip Rumens, Ed Hozak, Deb Hannig, Troy Olson. These are reps that I had when, when I was younger, you know, trying to figure out my way through the process and, and, and they gave me everything. So, so do the same for your team. Finally, one of the last pieces of advice that Art had was just terrific, where he said to explain what you want them to do for your company. 
I remember, you know, my my company used to sell one of the product lines that that Art repped, and we got together for lunch one day when when he'd first taken on that product line, and. I kind of carved out for him my understanding of the line, my understanding of where it fit in our showroom. And then also I just gave him some some context to the culture of our company and said, you know, based on that, this is what I need you to do for me. And I think that we can win if we can do this. And that was really helpful to help set me and, and Art's relationship in that context up for success. But again, if you don't communicate to your sales reps where they can give you value and and how their products can benefit your customers specifically, well, they don't have direction and and reps need direction just as much as anybody else. So I hope you got a ton of value out of that article. Going forward, we're going to be doing this every week until our new season starts, the Tuesday after our trade show in March. And and I love this just because I love revisiting these articles in real time and thinking about it. And I hope that you do too. Now, if this podcast has been a blessing for you personally and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash it's fire time. And it's seriously means the world. Those of you who help support the podcast, and even if you can't afford it to financially support it, just those of you who listen and and who tell other friends about it in the industry, it's incredible and we don't take it lightly. So we're going to come back next week with another episode very similar to this, talking about a different article from the Firetime magazine. And obviously, if you want to listen to these articles, you can subscribe to the Firetime magazine podcast, or you can read the magazine every month by going to the Firetime magazine dot com. You know, it started with the podcast and it's built and built and built. And our goal is to create a community that galvanizes our industry together so that we can survive what is coming down the pike in the future. So I hope you have an amazing week and we'll see you again very soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. I'm all into